Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, you know where we're going to be opening up to today, so if you have your Bibles, however you get them, book form or electronic form, go ahead and take them out, open them to Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to begin at verse 6 today and go all the way through verse 19. Now, I am going to be reading out of the Common English Bible version, and so if you have an app, you can switch to that, and you'll read right along. It'll be on the screen. If you have some other version, it's not going to be that different, but I just felt like this really flowed and captured the heart of of what Paul was writing to the church in Colossia. As you're finding your way there, I want you to know that our Advent series starts December 3rd, and uh, Deidre has already talked about it, but these are in the lobby. You can also get them in in electronic form if you're a a Kindle user or a Nook user or uh, any of those other uh, book apps. It's Joy of Every Longing Heart, an Advent devotional written by Dan Boone, who's the president of my my alma mater, Trevecca Nazarene University, down in Nashville, Tennessee. And I, I want to encourage you. This is something we can do together as a family. We'll take this out. We can read. There are places to write answers to questions just to kind of get us moving towards. Advent is a season of longing for Christ to be born again into our lives and into our world and into our situations. And this is a beautiful way for us to, to journey together towards the manger on Christmas morning. And so I encourage you, pick one of these up in the lobby, or if, the, if we run out, let Deidre know your name, and we'll make sure that we can get these for you. We want to do this together, and it's going to tie right into all the things that we do uh, every Sunday during the Advent season. You don't want to miss that, so pick that up. But here we go. All right, into Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. So live in Christ Jesus the Lord in the same way as you received Him. Be rooted and built up in Him. Be established in faith and overflow with thanksgiving just as you were taught. See to it that no one enslaves you with philosophy and foolish deception which conform to the human traditions and the way the world thinks and acts rather than Christ. All the fullness of deity lives in Christ's body. And you have been filled by Him who is the head of every ruler and authority. In Him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not administered by human hands. The circumcision of Christ is realized in the stripping away of the whole self dominated by sin. You were buried with Him through baptism and raised with Him through faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. 
When you were dead because of the things you had done wrong and because your body wasn't circumcised, God made you all alive with Christ and forgave all the things you had done wrong. He destroyed the record of the debt we owed with its requirements that worked against us. He canceled it all by nailing it to the cross. When he disarmed the rulers and authorities, he exposed them to public disgrace by leading them in a triumphal parade. So don't let anyone judge you about eating or drinking or about a festival, a new moon observance or Sabbaths. These religious practices are only a shadow of what was coming. The body that casts the shadow is Christ. Don't let anyone who wants to practice harsh self-denial and worship angels rob you of the prize. They go into detail about what they have seen in visions and have become unjustifiably arrogant by their selfish ways of thinking. They don't stay connected to the head. The head nourishes and supports the whole body through the joints and the ligaments. So the body grows with a growth that is from God. This is the word of God for the people of God here and online. And our response is, thanks be to God. Well, we're jumping into a new chapter here. And so I want to summarize because we have covered a lot of ground. And if this is your first Sunday here or your first Sunday joining us online, I want to make sure you're with us as we move into the heart of this little letter that Paul wrote. Now, so we'll summarize this, and I've already said it's Paul who is writing, but it is Paul who is writing from jail in Ephesus for following Jesus, for declaring uh, who he is by daring to say that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar is Lord, as everyone else seemed to think at that time. He's writing from jail, and he's writing to a church that he did not found. So they may have heard the name Paul, but they had never met him. They had, he had never preached to them. He had never talked with them. He had never given them his teachings. They were relying on Epaphras, someone who knew Paul and was introduced to Jesus through Paul. And it made such a profound impact that Epaphras went home to Colossae and began a Jesus community right there. And Paul is writing because he wants to praise them for their faith and the hope. He wants to encourage them to stay rooted in faith, which is that through Jesus, anyone has a place in the family of God and a hope that one day God is going to bring everything and restore all things through Jesus' work. And so they are to be rooted in their faith, looking towards that hope and living with love in between. He also, though, and this is what we're going to get into today, he begins to challenge them and to warn them. You probably heard some of that just as I was reading it. But, of course, we want to dive a little bit deeper. And so he wants to warn them about two groups that were in the area, and Paul had run into these. You hear about these groups in in other uh, letters. It's interesting Most of the New Testament in all of these letters is about either correcting something where a church went off or challenging them to watch out for certain things that might change or dilute the good news of what God has done in Jesus. 
And those letters were all compiled because these are things that come up over and over again. No matter what season of history you are living in, these things tend to come up over and over again. And I think we'll see today that these two groups, or at least the thoughts of these two groups, still roll down through history to you and to me today. So let's dive in. Let's look. He warns them about two groups. And both of these groups are causing confusion, but they cause that confusion in subtle, subtly different ways. So let's look at group one. Group one is the group that likes to just add Jesus to their other stuff. They just like to throw him on top. I love what uh, uh, one of the teachers that I was reading from this week said. They, they like to treat Jesus like a condiment. Just add him in. You know, just throw him on top. It's just a good thing. And, uh, and we do this. And Paul is warning them about that. He writes this by saying, See that nobody ensnares you or enslaves you with philosophy and foolish deception, which conform to human tradition and the way the world thinks and acts rather than Christ. Now let's look at philosophy. Now Paul in this is not saying if you're in college or wherever right now, you're in university and you're taking a class on philosophy, doesn't mean you have to like get out. That's not what Paul's talking about. Philosophy is... The combination of two Greek words simply means philo. Everybody say philo. It means love. It's kind of more the brotherly love, the friendly love. And then Sophia. Everybody say Sophia. Sophia. Means wisdom. So together it just simply means it is the love of wisdom. However, Paul really distinguishes here that this philosophy that he is talking about is that it is a study of the way the world works, however, according to human standards. That's why it's important that you read that whole statement where he says philosophy and foolish deceptions which conform to human traditions and the way the world thinks and acts rather than Christ. That when we study the way the world works, you might come up and one of the philosophies of our world might be that might makes right. But that doesn't fit with Christ who says, take up your cross and follow me. And when those two collide, the call of a Christian is to take up our cross and follow him. And even though that does not make any sense according to human standards or tradition, We believe and trust that it is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's how we are to move on. Group one makes the wisdom of Jesus just one more book in the library. Oh, that's great. Thanks, Jesus, for your teaching. I'll put that in my library next to all the other books and volumes that I have on philosophy. See, he's just adding Jesus to what they already believe. But Paul also talks about in this group, this condiment Jesus group, that that they are foolishly, they're in foolish deception. And some of your translations will say elemental spirits. Now, back then there were things like today, storms and all kinds of things along those lines, wind, things that were large and huge that they couldn't understand. And yet they assigned, so they assigned to them the kind of godlike status. 
And Rome, for all of its development and civilization, still had a pantheon of gods. So there was the storm god, you know, Zeus. And, you know, the wind, Hermes, would travel on the wind or faster than the wind. There was this pantheon that they assigned to those elemental spirits, those elemental things in the world. And so what Paul is warning them about and saying it is that they were just taking Jesus and making him one more small little G God in their pantheon. And Paul warns them, don't do this. This is something that enslaves you and you were called for something so much more. I thought of, I was trying to think of a way to explain what Paul is doing here. Group one is like this. How many of you love chocolate? Okay, good. Alright, I want to take a little, little poll here. Alright, now this is about your favorite. Not if you like them all. Your favorite. How many of you, your favorite is white chocolate? One, two, two, three, four, okay. How many of you, it's milk chocolate? Oh, okay, quite a bit. Okay. Now, how many of you are real people and like dark chocolate? Okay, there you go. Like 72%. Oh, that's like the chocolate. It is just perfect. Just right. Okay, so you see this here, this image here, and it is a beautiful, looks like chocolate bonbon. I think it's milk chocolate, so for some of us it would be just a little less than. But we're not going to turn it away because it is chocolate, however. It's got some sprinkles on it. It looks good to eat. Chocolate is good. However, if we were to expand this image, you would begin to see that this is actually chocolate on top of an onion. And when Paul is talking to this little church and to us today, he's saying, don't cover an onion with pure chocolate. The chocolate is enough. The chocolate is good. Chocolate and onions don't belong together. He, and now, yes, thank you. I got to hear that. Amen. He said, when you're just adding Jesus on top of your human traditions, when you're just adding Jesus on top of, uh, into your pantheon of gods, it's like putting chocolate on top of an onion. But we can't be too quick to judge, folks, because we often become group one, even here today. We add chocolate to all kinds of onions. We add Jesus to all kinds of onions. I mean, some of them are just our flat-out desires. There's a whole branch of Christianity that's just about that Jesus is here to give you what you want. And if you don't have what you want, just send in 20 or 50 or or $100 to my channel, and we'll make sure that we pray that through, because it is all about your desires. Another one is politics. Politics. 
And both sides do this, so I'm not picking on one. And we even, both sides, they even grab Scripture verses and pull them into their party and say, see, we're the ones standing with Jesus. And the other side says, no, we're the ones truly standing with Jesus. And Paul would say, you're both onions, and chocolate doesn't go on onions. Sometimes it's our own biases. This is the way I think and feel. Oh, and I read somewhere that I must be similar, so I'm going to claim that. But it's really my preference and my bias. And Paul would say, friend, that's an onion. And chocolate and onions don't go together. Sometimes we just want to sprinkle Jesus on as an insurance policy. He's not really going to make a difference. He's not really going to change my life. He's not really going to do anything different in my life. But when I die, I'll be able to claim, hey, I believed that you died. Folks, it's a subtle form of an onion. And chocolate and onions don't go together. Made me think as I was reading through this that maybe this is why we're losing some of the younger generation. Because they're tired of hearing about chocolate all the time and every time they bite into it, all they taste is onion. It's something that we have to think about as we begin to live out what Paul is saying Jesus has in store for us. But we got to move on. We got to move to group two. Group two just adds their stuff to Jesus. So group one added Jesus to their stuff. Group two adds their stuff to Jesus. So let's, let's look at this. It's things like Paul writes in verses 16 through 19. It's things like kosher eating. So we do eat this and we don't eat that. It's Jewish festivals. That's some of the the new moon uh, celebrations that you saw. These were all festivals for the the rhythm of daily and yearly Jewish life. Sabbath keeping is weekly arrest from sundown on Friday to, to sundown on Saturday. No work happening there. Being harsh on the body, or the fancy word for that is asceticism, where my body is no good and so I I beat it into submission. I do things to deprive it. Angel worship. There's this fear that angels are these angelic beings and they, they have all kinds of power and so we've got to placate them. It's kind of taking pagan theology and moving it into Christian realm. Some scholars believe it is and the word for angel simply means messenger. That it can be like messenger worship. Like I've got my favorite preacher and anything that comes out of that preacher's mouth that is who what I'm going to follow that's what i believe and then ecstatic visions i have seen the future i've had a vision of what is going on all of these things are here and they're just throwing those things in to jesus you see a lot of this had to deal with what was happening with within Jewish Christianity. And Christians who were first Jewish before they became Christians wanted to make people into Jews first and then to be Christian. They began to just add those things in. Well, this Jesus, yeah, He's our Messiah. And so if you want to follow Him, you have to become like us. You have to eat this way. You have to follow these traditions. You have to follow these customs. You have to do X, Y, and Z in order to make it in. 
Now, some of these things that I've mentioned, they're not bad. They aren't bad for us. Paul just says they're shadowy. They're not complete. They're not the real thing. They're not what saves us. I mean, Sabbath rest may be good for us. It's good to take time where you were not meant to be a human doing. You were meant to be a human being. And so the Sabbath is time to rest and to be and to realize that God is in charge of the world and the world will continue on if you cease working. That sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? But when we begin to subtly shift and say, it is my participation in Sabbath that makes me a Christian, or that makes me a follower of God, or that saves me, then we get the proverbial cart before the horse. Some of those things in that list are bad. Paul says they'll poison your heart. They are the things that, uh, Paul writes there, they have become unjustifiably arrogant by their selfish ways of thinking. Some of the things in that list are really bad and will poison you and poison your attitudes and your way of living in the world. Paul says you can't add things, good or bad, don't add them to Jesus. You guys are all going to want to go out and get a chocolate bar after this. When I was in university, one of my very first jobs there in university was to be a valet parker. Anybody here been a valet parker? All right. It was just a fun way to sometimes bump into uh, celebrities in downtown Nashville. Um, you get to drive fancy cars. I mean, only a block, but, you know, still, you know, you were behind the wheel. It was fun. And you got tips and you got paid okay. It was good. One of the restaurants I worked at downtown had this French drinking chocolate. This is a picture of it here. I mean, it is... How many of you right now, if you could, would just take that image right off the screen and pull it down and start to... I mean, it was incredible. Like, it was so chocolatey that when I went outside into the cold weather, which was probably 45 degrees in Nashville... Uh, it started hardening on the top. Like, I mean, this was chocolate. So you finished underneath, and then you had this nice little chocolate disc to just continue munching on. It was so good. Like, that is incredible, incredible chocolate. Now, imagine someone coming along and saying, well, you know what's good for you, too, is broccoli. And so you should throw some broccoli in there, and I'm just going to stir it all in there. How many of you would, like, want to punch that person? Yeah, sure, broccoli's good, but you don't add it to Parisian drinking chocolate. That's a sin. That's a crime. (laughs) And Paul says some of these things that we did as Jewish followers of God, they were good things for human beings. They are. But that does not get mixed in with the chocolate. Because what Jesus has done is full and complete. And if you want to participate in these things, that's okay. But however, these things are, Jesus has done everything that is necessary. And you don't add things in to what Jesus has done. The bad things are like 
you know, stirring in a little rat poison. It may taste good, but it'll still kill you. The drinking chocolate wasn't meant for broccoli, and it wasn't meant for rat poison. And Paul says, what Christ has done is enough. Folks, sometimes we're like group two, even today. We, we talk about the grace of God and the way that that grace is enough and fills us and saves us and forgives us and heals us. And then the, almost the next step is, and here's a few things that we do and here's a few things we don't do in order to show that this has happened. Now, please hear me. There are some things that are good to do and some things that are not good to do, to refrain from doing. But the Spirit teaches that. As you drink the chocolate, you begin to realize, hey, I don't need any broccoli with this chocolate. And if, if there's something stirred in there that's making you sick, you know, I, I don't think that I need whatever's in this chocolate. I, I need the chocolate. I just want the chocolate drink. Just give me the chocolate. Folks, our rules don't save us. I'm old enough, <laughs> I'm old enough to remember Growing up in our church, we didn't drink, we didn't smoke, we didn't chew, we didn't go to movies, we didn't go to dances, and we didn't hang around with people who did those things. Now, some of those things seem silly today. Some of them, there's some wisdom there. But it's really subtle because sometimes we can begin to think, that I'm saved because I don't do those things instead of I don't participate in those things because what Jesus has done so satisfies my heart and so changes me from the inside out that I no longer need to participate in those things. And folks, we've got to be careful that we don't fall into the category of group two. You are not a Christian because you don't do something. You are a Christian because of what Jesus did. And that's enough. That is all we need. We cannot add Jesus to our stuff, and we cannot add our stuff to Jesus. And Paul warns them and writes them about that because both groups make the same mistake. What both groups are saying, whether they're adding Jesus to their stuff or adding their stuff to Jesus, they make the same mistake. And that mistake is that they are both saying that Jesus isn't enough. That Jesus isn't enough to replace all my stuff, my preferences, my politics, my thinking of what my purpose is in the world. It's not enough. And so I just add him on top of one more thing for fire insurance, for a good read every now and then, or just to, just to kind of cover some things up. But group two makes the same mistake when they try to add stuff to Jesus. They're saying that Jesus didn't do everything required, so we have to do more. We have to follow the rules. We have to follow the regulations. We have to make sure we've got the right biblical interpreter. We've got to do all of these things. But what we're saying, what both groups are saying, is that Jesus wasn't enough. And Paul says that will enslave you. That will drag you down. That will poison your attitudes. Because neither option is the true gospel. The true good news so what is the good news what is the gospel i think paul summarizes it beautifully right there 
sandwiched in the middle of the two challenges. Friends, I want, I want you to hear what Paul says in verses 9 through 14 today. I want you to know that the good news is, according to verses 9 and 10, that all of God is in Christ and all y'all have been filled by Christ. And if all y'all, all of them in Colossae had been filled, it means that all of us, all y'all here at Cross Community can be filled with all of God through Christ. The good news is, my friends, in verse 11, that Christ has taken away the totality of your sin-dominated self. And if He could do it then, He can do it now. I want you to hear the good news, friends, because the good news this morning in verse 12 says that you all were buried and raised with Jesus in baptism. And by the power that raised Jesus from the dead, you can be brought to new life. If He could do it then, He can do it now, today, in your life. I want you to hear that the good news, friends, today at the first part of verse 13 is when you were dead because of all the wrong you had done, God made you, yes, you person online, alive with Christ. I want you to hear the good news, friends, this morning, because at the second part of verse 13, he says that he forgave all the things you had done wrong. How many of the things? All of the things. And if he could do it then, he can do it now today. I want you to hear the good news, friends, because in verse 14, Paul writes that he destroyed the record of the debt we owed. He canceled it. He nailed it to the cross. And if he could do that then for them, he can do that now here for us. This is good news. This is the good news. You can't add it to something. And you can't add something to it. What God has done in Christ is enough. It's enough. And so Paul says, he begins his whole challenge in verse 7 by saying, all you need to do is to be rooted in Him and to grow in your faith. To grow in your understanding that because of what Jesus did, there's a place for you in God's family, in God's purposes. To begin to mature into that. To begin to see what He's calling you to. That we are to let go of the human way and trust that Christ's way is the way. Even when he says hard things, like love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. That doesn't make sense in the human way. But when Jesus calls us, we have to trust that because he did what was enough, and even death couldn't stop him, then he's going to call us into that and raise us into a new life. And as we do this, verse 7 leads us into our holiday season. What happens? Something great happens. Paul writes there, we begin to overflow with thanksgiving. When you begin to realize that Christ has done everything that is needed. That there's a place for you and there's a hope that all things will one day be restored. How can we not begin to be thankful?
to say, oh, Jesus, you're worthy of it all. Here's my life. Here's my plans. Here's my purposes. Here's my desires. Here's, here's all of these things. I lay them at your feet. And I don't want any chocolate-covered onions, and I sure don't want to throw any broccoli or poison into the chocolate. I just want to receive. I want to, I want to be planted deep in the faith that you have done it all. I want to see that grow, and as it grows, we'll see the fruit of hope and love and joy and peace and patience, and yes, thanksgiving begin to overflow. But friends, I think today's message, really, like Paul wrote to a little tiny church back then, is written to the church today. So I want to speak to the church here and the church online. Did some, when I was describing the onions and the groups, did it kind of step on your toes? Did it kind of make you angry? Well, that's okay. Maybe it means... That it's time to repent. And to say, oh, Jesus, I've really thrown some broccoli into the midst of that. Jesus, I've just been trying to pour that chocolate over that onion for so long. But I want my heart to overflow with thanksgiving. I, I, I need to come to you. So today, in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to come to an altar. If Jesus has touched something in you, to say, hey, that's an onion, or uh, we don't need that broccoli and the chocolate, or even worse, we sure don't need the poison, then I'm going to invite you to come and to pray. We have these altars up front. There's nothing magical about them. It's just a place where we honestly get real with God. Where we surrender, we place our bodies in a position of surrender. Not to me, not to the church. To the one who has worthy of it all, who has done everything that is necessary. So will you stand with me? I'm going to pray just briefly. We're going to sing that chorus through twice and that'll be it but if the Lord is speaking to you wanting you to stop covering onions or pull out broccoli or poison I'm going to invite you to come and pray there's no shame here this is just about surrender to the one who is worthy Father Today, we've heard a challenging word from Paul to a church a long time ago. Help us to receive the challenge of both group one and two with the gospel message, the good news that Christ has done everything that we need. And may we as your church return to be planted and rooted once again in that 
deep, deep faith. That radical forgiveness, radical healing that can complete the work in us. Father, point out the onions we're trying to cover, the broccoli and poison we're trying to throw in and cause us to repent today. For we ask this in the name of Christ our Lord. We're going to think you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. If you want to come, just come now. Don't wait. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. If you need to come, just come. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Lord Jesus, go with us into this time. And as we are rooted and planted in the complete work you have done, may this week overflow with thanksgiving in our hearts. May we leave with joy and hope that you have done all that is needed. And may we rest in that this week. For we pray and ask these things. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Receive this blessing. And now, my brothers and sisters, my friends, here and online, may you go in the knowledge, the experiential knowledge, of knowing that Christ has done everything. When He confronts you with onions or broccoli or poison, May your quickest response be to repent, say yes, surrender to Him. May you go and declare to those around you that Christ is worthy. He has done it all. And that anyone has a place in His family. I pray that you would go in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. Go in His blessing and His peace. Thank you for joining us online. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.